shotglassdigital.com. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we're doing it old school, gold school, man. We're going to have a good time talking about the things that I'm really super excited about. We're going to check your emails and so much more on this, your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet, free from all the negativity and the mumbo-jumbo that's out there, free from anyone trying to be the smartest person in the room except for me, um, because I'm the only person in the room. So automatically, boom, done, smartest person in the room. Now, if you consider me in the room with you whilst you're listening to this, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm sure you are. The internet tells me I have a 143 IQ, though, so I don't know what that means. On on wrestling, they say that's borderline genius. In in the test I took, it just said it's kind of gifted. <laughs> kind of special, but not really. Just kind of special. You know, not super special, just kind of special. Sort of, in a way. Anyway, it's good to be with you, and I forgot to do, I had something in my mind. I never write out my intros um, as we're coming in, though I don't know what you actually call that. Um, and I had something I meant to say that I did not say in it. So if we could, can I take a mulligan, please? Well, I've put off watching Guardians of the Galaxy on Blu-ray so I could come and geek out here on the safe place to geek out, the Geek Out Loud podcast. We're doing everything from Marvel to Bond, a little Star Wars on top. It's your safe place to geek out, the Geek Out Loud podcast!
There it is. There we go. And I uh, hope everyone's doing well and having a good time. Listen, I want to talk about a few things before we get into the the meat of the episode tonight. Number one, uh, next week, trying to finish up all, put all the finishing touches on our Christmas episode of Geek Out Loud. Trying to be a little more special and, and special-ish, if you will, about it. So if uh, here's what I'd love to do. A couple of years ago, several years ago, we in our Christmas episode, what we did is I have connections to Santa Claus um we're we're pretty tight he and I and so we actually took some emails from you the listener and from kids and everything else to kind of say hey here's what I'd like for christmas time santa and uh you know and and so what I'd love is listener emails to santa what you'd like for christmas what geeky thing would you like for christmas you can be serious if you want to doesn't have to be but um that's going to feature in heavily next week on our Christmas episode of Geek Out Loud. So we'd love to hear from you. Geekoutonline.com. Uh, well, that's the website. Uh, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Put in the subject line, uh, letter to Santa. And that way uh, we'll be able to put them all in the same little bag and get them out there. Not just for Santa, but for the masses as well. So that word was masses. Uh, so <laughs> not to be confused with what I thought uh, Zod was yelling at Jarrell and Superman the movie back in 1978. Um, so yeah, so that's Christmas. Listen, I love Christmas. We talked about this earlier this week on the Big Hawkins show. And, and every time I start saying it, I want to go into Christmas is a time of year. Being with the ones you love, yeah. Anyhow, um, shout out, shout out to my long lost quiz quiz partner Carl. Don't know where he's been lately. A lot of people have been asking about Derek. Derek has been in super busy job switch mode, directing a a Christmas play uh, in Tupelo mode, Charlie Brown's Christmas, in fact. And uh, he's also been doing some renovations at the old homestead. So. That'll tend to put you out, man. That'll tend to put you out of the podcasting business altogether. So uh, we we were texting back and forth tonight about some of the things we've seen recently on CW's The Flash, and we're anxious to just get sot down and doing this thing up and getting caught up over the mid-season hiatus and um, and breaking these things down. I think it's going to be fun to watch us do that. There was several years ago when we were still doing Starkville House of L as we were getting ready to go into season eight, I believe we hit, uh, we were, we were going to hit episode 100 just prior to the season premiere of season eight. And the whole goal was to get to 100 so that 801 and in episode 101 could all match up. And, um, we did like five episodes of goal of shoe that week. We did a goal, we did a um, we did a Skynex, I think, at the time we were doing that. I mean, like, it was the week from podcasting hell, but it was fun. And so I, I think we may try to recreate some of that magic over the holiday season. So, um, so Starkville Labs has not pod faded. It's it's pod speed bumped. We've hit a we've hit a bit of bump in the road, and but the goal of verse is rolling on because Lord knows, Steve, this is the only life Steve has. Because look, I go to I get up, I go to work, I come home, 
take myself for a walk, have a beer, and go to bed. Um, that's uh, that's Roth the dog from the Muppet movie. I uh, I mean I, I do. I go home. I go to work. I come home. Uh, some some days like last night, I had something going on and, and didn't really get back in time to do a show. But generally, I you know I got nothing. It's just me. I'm single, ladies, and I, you know. It, it is what it is. So, um, so that's what, and I'm excited to be doing this because tonight is really going to be very old schoolish gold because there's a lot of snippets, a lot of emails, and some things I'm pretty excited about. You know, a lot of times the conversation, the conversations on this show as of late have really gone toward Marvel and Marvel versus DC, and you know what? That's going to continue. Until DC hits a home run. And I really think that if Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, is is just as spectacular as everyone wants it to be, as I want it to be, um, then, then I think that you're going to see a shift in some of the tone of the conversations being had on this podcast. However... Uh, what's got me most excited these days are the slate of, of, of things coming out from Marvel. Even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been really good. We'll talk about that when we get the snippets. And so, you know, that's that's kind of what really has, has kept me going. That and Star Wars. And while we'll probably have a little Star Wars talk on this episode, um, we've got just a bunch of snippets. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about just about everything on there, on the list of snippets. Some things I do just because I know you guys want to hear it mentioned or talked about on the show and uh and those things will get mentioned and move moved right along but before we get into all that i want to just say big thank you to everyone who is using the amazon link at geekoutonline.com if you head over to geekoutonline.com on the left hand side there is a search bar for amazon.com clear your cookies before you use it and then use that bad boy to take you to amazon and uh, you can do your shopping right there helps out the show immensely when you do that um in fact there have been some months where that uh was the only thing keeping us going was was amazon shoppers you know that was the only thing keeping the websites together and and making sure the bills to our 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 servers and hosts and everything got paid so um so keep that up man please especially as you do some christmas shopping with amazon Use that link at geekoutonline.com. I really appreciate that. And a huge, huge, huge thank you so much uh, to all of you who support the shows directly via Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Our featured Patreon supporter this week, Greg Cantor. His mind and will are the most powerful on earth, granting him telekinetic abilities that astound, amaze, and get the bad guy every time works every time greg Cantor, our featured supporter uh this week uh through patreon.com slash geek out loud uh for those of you who are awaiting your uh, exclusive t-shirt those orders have been put into the printer and we're waiting to get those back and we'll get those out as quickly as we can once we get those back they look great i'm excited about them these are these are shirts that will never go on sale to the general public to the old gp patreon supporters only and um, hopefully in about four months' time, we'll be doing another exclusive T-shirt. Because you guys are doing a monthly thing, there's no sense in getting one T-shirt. That's how I feel about it. So uh, as we get caught up in doing different things and, and get everything squared away, then then uh, you guys at the $15 level or more will be uh, hopefully 
three to four times a year getting an exclusive gold t-shirt and some may go on sale but by and large i'd, I'd hate to put any um on sale if i mean if there's just a design that's just so super duper that needs to be out there to everyone what it would be is basically you get yours first and then everyone else pays uh, a different price kind of thing for them but um but these first ones are not they're a great design i love them and they're so good that i want them to be the exclusive shirt for a few months um and never go on sale i, I want people to know that that uh you've got you know through january to get on that fifteen dollar more bandwagon to get that shirt so um so that's coming uh the 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 exclusive podcast have have uh been fun for me to do for the five dollar and up uh supporters this month in fact this coming saturday we'll be recording with eric shonavice uh, from Delray Publishing. We're going to be doing Captain America, the first Avenger, and really looking forward uh, to knocking that one out with Arish. Uh, that means next month, January, the Avengers. And uh, looking forward to getting to the Avengers and then getting into some Phase 2 stuff beyond that. So we are so close to Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. I'm telling you, it, Age of Ultron is, is just on the horizon. And uh, I, I just... Man, it's a great, it is a great little stop in the road to get to December of next year. It really is. So a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of fun stuff happening, and uh, I just can't say thank you enough. You guys, honestly, Patreon supporters, if I can just be super duper serious right now, you guys have kind of saved my life. You guys have really... um it's just been a big deal to me and it continues to be a big deal and i don't want you to ever think that i take any of your kindness and support for granted it means a a huge amount to me that that uh, from the dollar to the the more than a dollar to the you know to all the levels it just means so much that you're taking your hard-earned money and pouring it into the goaliverse because uh as i said not only has it helped keep this stuff going? It's helped keep me going, and that's a that's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal, and it, it's a, it's a super big deal for me, and so I appreciate it. Um, before I get all misty eyed, let's do this. It's that time. Let's jump into some emails. Oh, we got an email here from Daniel who chimes in. He says, The missus and I have gotten caught up with Arrow and just watched the Flash Arrow two-parter. I think I enjoyed these two episodes better than anything WB has put out since the Superman Returns. Uh, the characters in these two shows are just great at the moment. I have no problem saying that I enjoy both shows even more than I did Smallville. I don't mean to put other properties down, but just comparing greatness to greatness. Indeed, obviously they owe Smallville for paving the way, but I stopped what I was doing tonight to watch Arrow Live. It's appointment TV for night. Your friend, uh, for me now, your friend, Tony Danza. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. You know what? That's a great point you make. They owe Smallville for paving the way. What Al and Al Golf and Miles Miller did back in the day with Smallville, um, you know, they took an approach to superherodom that no one to that point had really taken. They took it seriously, 
but they avoided the stuff that they felt like people wouldn't take seriously. That hence the rule of the no flights, no tights. And and the reality that they based and they grounded things in was not a reality that felt like reality. You know, it, it just felt like it felt natural. Let's put it that way. I think there's a difference between something feeling real and something feeling natural. They captured the heart of the Kents. They really did. They captured the very essence of those characters. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't know that they captured the Lana Lane character to perfection. I don't know. Um, I know they captured, oh my gosh, Lex Luthor and Lana Luthor, my Atlanta. And it, you know, and look, they did tons in that show to turn the mythology of Superman on its head. But they always did this. And I, and, and I, I heard so many interviews with them and Jeff Loeb and stuff that they, you know, they talked about as they would go through the season, they'd paint themselves intentionally into a corner to have to creatively get out of that corner. And in my opinion, they did a fantastic job season to season to season. Some of the seasons fell off. I'm looking at you season four and season six. But when you've got, you know, 200 plus episodes of television and and you're really only able to take... I don't know, I mean, maybe 10% of that show and say it's not that good. I mean, you're really talking majority, maybe maybe three to four episodes on, a, on, on the whole per season that just weren't that great. Um, and that's on average, you know. So, so, you know, way less than half, 20 to 30% worth. It was a great show, but what they did... The show got better, and it was really interesting to talk to people who had fallen off around season four because season four got a little too out there for them, but who trickled back in around season eight, season nine, and season ten. The closer it got to the comic, the closer it got to Superman, people got more and more and more invested in it. Again, even people who had dropped off, and that caused them to go back and seek out those seasons they missed on DVD, and they found out there was some really good stuff in there. I say all that to say this, that I think what has happened on TV at least, Warner Brothers has learned their lesson. You take something like Flash, even Arrow, I think that first season for Arrow was just a tiny bit of a misstep. I know that Arrow fans are passionate and they'll and they'll lynch me for saying that, but that's the truth to me. I think that they went in thinking that this needs to be grittier than Batman and tougher, you know, and edgier and everything else. And and so they've had to navigate some hard waters to find their way back to the actual character of Oliver Queen as he's presented on the page, so that comic fans and general fans, I think, alike enjoy Oliver Queen and his friends more as it gets closer to what was on the page. Flash has not suffered any of those issues. Flash, they finally, someone finally just said, let's just go for it, guys. Let's just go for it. Let's do serialized television with a superhero, and let's just go for it. And they have, and it's been fantastic. So I agree with Tony Danza. And I think that's a good way to live your life. Um, I, <laughs> I think... I think that if you can live your life uh, agreeing with Tony Danza, then you've done well. Um, Raj chimes in, and I'm not sure. Yeah, we haven't talked about this one. 
Raj has been keeping us up to date on the superhero line of foods from McDonald's in Hong Kong. This is something they haven't done in the States, but I wish they would. He says, I hope you recovered from the shock of Sting on WWE. Yes. Uh, just a quick email to update you on the Justice League McDonald's in Hong Kong. Now it's time for the Flash. Unfortunately, says Raj, I think he got the raw end of the deal as his promotion seems to be a trio of sides. He's also the only toy left in the restaurant, just waiting for Wonder Woman to round out the Justice League promotions. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at this this thing, and sure enough, there's a, a fry wedge uh, side, potato wedges that um, have a flash head box. Uh, corn Cream of mushroom and corn soup uh, on the flash hot picks. And um, taro pie. Taro pie looks. It looks like the you know the classic McDonald's apple pie, but it's got taro in it instead of apple. And I don't know what taro taro is. Um, T A R O. You know my curiosity is probably going to get the better of me, and so we might as well. <sighs> yeah, I don't know what taro is. So um, as always. We don't know what something is. Let me Google that for you. Let me Google that for you here. Uh, taro pan. Uh-oh. I, I typed in the wrong thing. Um, nope. Taro pan. Taro pan. Taro. Uh, in desserts, it is used in... Uh, taro is a common name for the corns and tubers several plants in the Arachai family of these Calaxia essentula is the most widely cultivated subject of this article more specifically the article describes the dashin form of taro another variety of taro is also known as edo okay it looks like a big uh, elephant ear plant that's what it looks like taro are they they're native to southern india and southeast asia it's a perennial tropic plant grown primarily as a root vegetable for its edible starchy corm, not corn, corm, and as a leaf vegetable, it's a food staple in African, Oceanic, and South Indian cultures. Believe to be. so, uh, so they use it like turnip greens. It's like turnip greens. It's got you use the root and the leaf, and you cook it. So taro looks like a rhubarb pie. To be honest with you, sure does, sure does. Rhubarb, rhubarb pie. <laughs> rhubarb pie is fun to say rhubarb rhubarb pie so the flash getting some taro pie over in uh over in hong kong thanks raj for keeping us up to date on that i wish they do i you know what i'd only be fatter if they did promotions like that here in the states because i'd want to get all i want to collect them all i'd want to collect them all all right so on the last episode i mentioned that dark knight trilogy isn't really geared toward kids I stand by that, regardless of what Matthew Ibarra, who chimes in, says. Ibarra uh, chimes in, and Matthew is Matthew's kind of becoming. I'm just going to call him out right here on the podcast. He's going to get ticked off because he gets ticked off a lot. There it is. I called him out. He's kind of becoming my podcast nemesis. So, but I, so I will give I will give you all ear. I will I will give his voice I will give his voice a voice here on the show because I'm I'm unafraid. I'm unafraid of controversy. Controversy doesn't doesn't scare me. Doesn't scare me at all. 
And I pushed forward unafraid. Here we go. Evening, honking. My name's Steve. I don't go by honking anymore. Just want to drop a line really quick in rebuttal to the comment that another emailer and a novelist several weeks ago made about the Nolan Batman films not being kid-friendly. Sir, I've done some spec episodes for the Cyber Diner at Terminator Universe podcast. What I've learned from talking to different people is that a lot of them discovered the Terminator movies when they were kids. The same goes for movies such as Die Hard, Halloween, Poltergeist, Robocop, and Lethal Weapon, all of which are very violent, bloody, and dark. Even when I was young, my father took me to see movies such as Gettysburg, Braveheart, and Saving Private Ryan. Afterwards, we talked about the movie so I'd understand what I saw and learn from it. That was an experience we had together, and it was bonding. All that understanding and watching, it shaped me into the man that I am today. All right, I'm just going to say this first off. Movies like Terminator, Die Hard, Halloween, uh, Poltergeist, Robocop, and Lethal Weapon. I agree, they're very bloody and dark. But they don't... They're nothing like Gettysburg, Braveheart, and Saving Private Ryan. The subject matter in all three of those movies that you cite are not action-adventure or horror you know, it's not so. So right there, it's it's a different thing. I saw Terminator for the first time when I was ten years old, ten or eleven. I was ten or eleven years old when I saw Terminator, and I saw it on uh, TV. I saw it. A buddy had recorded it off a of TV, I guess, um, or maybe I saw it. Maybe he just had to have having a copy of it. But I really feel like I, I yeah, I really feel like it was edited um, because there's a scene in there that that was edited for content for TV. Um, RoboCop, I saw on TV. Lethal Weapon, I didn't see Lethal Weapon until I was in college. And that was in the 90s, um, mid-90s. Die Hard, I didn't see Die Hard until I was, like, in college. Halloween, I didn't see until I was in college. I was just raised differently. Um, Poltergeist was never rated R. Uh, it was PG-13, I believe. It became a, it became a cultural phenomenon in the 80s. Everyone knew to say, they're here... And so, and that was a different time too, um, than today. Th- then those things would become these these cultural phenomenons, and um, yeah. And I just you know I think it was a different time. But I see your point. You know that a lot of people did see these movies as kids, but I bet a lot of these kids were like me, and they just happened to stumble upon some of this stuff and not necessarily have it presented to them by their parents. Again, Gettysburg, Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, different animals. Gettysburg is all about the Civil War. Braveheart's about the, 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 the struggle for freedom in Scotland back in the day. Saving Private Ryan, a World War II movie. These are the content and stuff is violent, it's bloody and it's dark, but it's not that's not there for the sake of gratuitous violence and that sort of thing, the way those other movies were. And I'll be honest with you, I don't put um I don't put the Dark Knight trilogy in that category with like Die Hard, Halloween, and Poltergeist and Robocop. You know, the thing about the Dark Knight uh, the trilogy is it's violent without the blood. It's violent without the gratuitous gore that a lot of action movies and stuff have today. It's the, the imagery is not that unsuitable for children, okay? I don't think fist fighting and, and, and taking down the bad guy is unsuitable for children. I guess what, I, what I'm talking about, and, and we'll get into it as we go on, I think that the idea is that younger kids um, may not necessarily be into it. When you, I don't know. When you get to, um, 
there's so much, I don't know. I just wouldn't feel comfortable with my kids watching if they were younger kids. The idea that no kid, he goes on to say, can watch and enjoy the Dark Knight trilogy is ludicrous to me. Those movies are nowhere near as violent or death-heavy as many of the Marvel movies. Oh. The difference is the cinematography and the settings. It's a darker shot movie, so it means that kids can't watch it? No. It has nothing to do with that. Again, I don't even think that... See, you start talking about violent or death-heavy as many of the Marvel movies. I say cite a reference for me. Are, are you talking about the Avengers and, and an alien attack? Again, the idea of fantasized science fiction violence is different than a gritty street level style of violence to me. And you don't see like, Iron Man three is not something I'd necessarily want my kids to watch. I don't know. I don't think so. There's, I'm going through it right now, and none of those movies. I know kids who are like four years old who loves them. You know, and the parents watch it, and they don't see anything in there to to merit. I see. I disagree. I, and I don't think it's about the death. I think it's just about also the subject matter. Uh, in Return of the Jedi, Jabba's palace is shot dark and moody. The piece of wormwood and filth fed a slave girl to the rancor. Luke choked out the guards. Yes, but in the original Return of the Jedi, all you hear is her yell. You don't see her. Uh, you don't see the stuff that you see in the special edition. Leia's in a bikini, for Christ's sakes. I ain't complaining, just saying, he says. By this logic, the greatest of Star Wars films wasn't meant for kids because of this. But you know what else? See, now you're getting into territory. Now I feel like you're just doing this on purpose. Now I feel like you're just like, what's really going to get Steve going? What's really going to make Steve... It's not, it's not even about the cinematography. And see, I think that's the thing. And quite frankly, I saw Return of the Jedi as a six-year-old. And you know what? Some of the stuff as a six-year-old, maybe I was too innocent of a six-year-old. Some of the stuff made me uncomfortable sitting there in the theater. I wasn't like sick or scared or anything, but it just made me uncomfortable. But, you, but, but let me tell you something. You also have in that Jabba scene... You have, everything is left so much, especially in the original version, not necessarily special edition, is left so much to the imagination. There's stuff that I never even considered about that scene until I got on, that whole sequence, I should say, not scene, until I, um, until I got uh, older and people, and I heard people talking about it. Um, but, you know, it's, okay, but look, you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that this, oh man, you're going to tell me this is a dark and, yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't want kids seeing this. Turn the children away. It is aliens singing and dancing in a palace ruled by a worm. Everyone, look away. Someone call the, the, the that parent council people. The people that put the advisory labels on the records, call them! Call them now! Ah! Do not let the children see this! He is at the screen with his goozle in plain view for everyone to see! (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matthew. That was a fun bit. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. I enjoyed that bit. Thank you. Um, <laughs> continuing on. Come on now, he says. It's amazing what some cinematography, music, uh, musical and lighting choices separates what's suddenly kid-friendly. See, you're talking about, and I'm not talking about 
the cinematography of these movies. It has nothing to do with the music, the cinematography, or the lighting choices. This kind of talk isn't a spotlight on the Dark Knight trilogy, but on today's parents who are trying way too hard to control their kids' environments and shelter them. And there are very few of us whose parents didn't show us radar movies. My parents did not, sir. Um, just saying. And when something was too graphic, we were told to cover our eyes. Those are the kinds of movies that stay with us more than any other. Now, there are some people that say, well, the themes are very adult. Let me bring up Star Wars again. Did any of us as kids understand the themes and subtext that George Lucas was trying to hit us with? Did we care when we were young? Yeah, but you know what? We did have... Oh, man, you're going to Star Wars again. You're going to poke me with Star... I feel like you're doing this on purpose. I feel like you're like, what can I really just use with Steve to really send him over the edge? The, the idea is Star Wars was a morality play. Uh, it, at the very basic of Star Wars, and I'm going back to Star Wars, 1977, was the good guys beat the bad guys. The triumph of good over evil. Empire Strikes Back, that's when you start to get into some of that deeper subtext. But I'll go back to what I said on my Star Wars story with Scott Rifen. Great podcast, by the way. If you're not listening, check it out. My Star Wars story. Uh, and not just the one with me. I mean all the episodes that are up there. Um, the... Uh, I I I was I was grown up before I realized oh Empire's a dark movie. I never thought Empire Strikes Back was this dark movie. You know, I I just thought it was what it was. To me, the, most of the good guys got away. Han Solo's in in Carbonite, but you know, at the end of the day, the good guys didn't win, but they didn't lose. You know, they lived to fight another day. And and so growing up, that's just how I always saw it. And then as I get older, people are like, oh, yeah, it's the darkest of the Star Wars movies. It's so dark. You know, this is such a dark movie. And it's just filled with darkness. And the themes are dark. It's just dark. I'm like, oh, is it? Okay. I, you know... Are there adult themes in Star Wars? Are there are there things that you can sit around? Yeah, I think there are. I think it's the I think that's the power of mythology. I mean, Lucas was very uh very smart in the way that he thought about really crafting a modern mythology. And so there are things that, you know, keep you up at night talking to friends about Star Wars. But there's also stuff where you're just like, hey man, this is cool. Let's fight the bad guys. Let's you know, I remember as a kid, I wasn't thinking about those themes. I was just thinking about the good guys and the bad guys and all those cool creatures. And I used to walk around with, with some Star Wars figures. I'd bug my, my older sister to death. And, and it was something that I didn't understand as a kid. Now, here's something I didn't understand about Star Wars as a kid. I'd, I'd bring her... I knew that Greedo was a bad guy because he tried to kill Han Solo. I knew that Walrus Man was a bad guy because, you know, he was giving Luke a hard time. But I'd bring her Hammerhead. Okay, for those of you who are newer fans, Mamal Nadon, uh, we all know him as Hammerhead. I'd bring her Hammerhead, and I'd be like, is this guy a good guy or a bad guy? And she says, well, he's not really good or bad. And I'm like, that's impossible. You you know, as the mind of a child. So, because he was in the cantina, and Obi-Wan Kenobi said, that you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. I'm like, well, he must be a bad guy. Later on, you find out that Mamal Nadon has this huge backstory, and he's not... He's not good, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's actually a good guy. Um, so I just, uh, you know, I, sure. Okay, so I had a hard time understanding that there were 
figures in my action figure collection that weren't necessarily good guys or bad guys. They were just background characters that Kenner made cool action figures of. Hard for me to wrap my head around. But he, you know what? I'm making this point for him. He says, did we care when we were young? No, we liked it because it was visually interesting. The music is mesmerizing. There were lightsabers and starships. I sat next to and have seen kids become gripped by the dark night. And when the Batmobile demolishes that trash truck, the little guy turned to me with the biggest grin on his face. Another was enraptured by the ninjas and sword fights and begins and the bat... Uh, and the bat in Rises. They're kids. They don't understand the themes of a movie and they're not interested in it. It's only when they're older they go back and like or hate what it was the movie was trying to say. I don't think it's a crime for filmmakers such as Nolan and Lucas to want to say... Don't put Nolan with... Look, Christopher Nolan is an incredible filmmaker, but you can't put... I'm sorry. I I disagree with my quiz buddy Carl. Second shout out on this episode. You can't put to me, in my opinion, you can't put Nolan's Dark Knight Trilogy in the same category as Star Wars. And that's just my personal opinion. When you start bringing... When you start invoking the name of Star Wars, you're taking the conversation to a different level about a whole different ball of wax. Um, He says, I don't think it's a crime for filmmakers such as Nolan to want to say something in their art that people want to claim and argue is for children. The Dark Knight and superheroes, even comics, were never just for kids. They're for everyone. Okay, I disagree with you there, too. You've got to look at the history of comic books. Back in the day, comics were primarily just for kids. And when I say back in the day, I mean 30s and 40s and 50s and that sort of thing. That's why the Comics Code Authority had to step in. That's why all this stuff went on back in the day. And they had to make sure. Now, that stuff's gone away. And now comics aren't just for kids. Here's the thing. And, and I guess when I'm talking about it not being for kids, I'm not saying that a kid can't watch Batman Begins and enjoy it. I'm not saying a kid can't watch The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises and not enjoy it. What I am saying is I don't think it... I'll definitely say that I think there are some parents who feel like it is it is something their kids don't want to watch. And you know what? That's that, that's those parents' call. You know? And, and, I, and I'm not going to be critical of a parent who says it is okay for my kid to watch. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. You know, unless, you know, they're like forcing their kid to watch it. It's like, why are you making a kid watch Batman if they don't want to? Let them go outside and play. But what, I guess what I'm saying is, is, is what I have seen in the kids that I'm around, and I'm around a lot of kids. I have seen the Marvel movies capture their imaginations in the way that Superman the movie captured my imagination when it comes to superhero stuff. And I've not seen that from the Batman movies. I've seen what I've seen. Our kids are like, yeah, Batman's all right, I guess. He's pretty cool, I guess. He's got a cool car. You know? But they're dressing up as even Spider-Man. You know? They're dressing up as Iron Man. They're putting on the Hulk hands. They're, you know, they're throwing their, their foam hammers around like Thor. And and that's what I'm seeing. And And that's the point I'm making is is that it's not that kids are unable to watch and enjoy. And I don't even know that it's not that the kids should watch it, but I think the audience that, that is being written for is not the, the kids. George Lucas will tell you flat out, he will tell you flat out, Dave Filoni will tell you flat out, Star Wars was made for kids. It was made for kids. The fact that adults still enjoy it is just part of its huge magic that it has. I don't think if you sat down with Chris Nolan and said, did you make the Batman trilogy? Did you make that for children? I doubt Chris Nolan would say, oh yeah, totally for kids. 
I think that the 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 lack of gratuitous blood and gore and that sort of thing was was uh, I think it was uh, intentional to make these movies more accessible for younger audiences. But I don't think that that he said, "Oh, I'm totally making this for kids, man." Totally. Not that he talks. He's not a. I think Chris Nolan's British. I'm making this for children. That's some elephant poop coffee. So, he says, you know what you get when a group of people of different ages and genders go to a movie and come out with hundreds of different perspectives? A good story. Uh, Okay, fine. I agree with that. You know, again, I'm not attacking. Understand this. I love Batman Begins. I think Batman Begins is one of the finest superhero movies ever made. I really, really do. I love Batman Begins. I have a problem with some of the shaky camera during the fights, but everyone knows my issues with shaky camera. Um, but I, I think Dark Knight is fan-freaking-tastic. I really do. I, I, it, I feel like when the Joker is handled, then everything... You know, if I were telling the story, if I were making that movie, for me... The Joker being handled would have kind of been me wrapping that movie up and not doing the bit with Harvey Dent and the you know and, and the Gordon family. I would have saved Dent getting away for later, um, and uh, still had them play it off as though Harvey Dent were dead, so that he showed and maybe even have them believe Harvey Dent is dead. So that when he and have him show up in the Dark Knight Rises, um, and that's just me as a the way I would do things if I were a storyteller. Given had Nolan said, "Well, I don't want to do anymore," and they said, "Well, Steve, what do you want to do?" That's I mean, that's what I would have done, and that's not saying that's the right way to do it. That's just me saying that's my preference, and I think that's the key to everything that's said on here. Is 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 when I'm giving my opinion, I'm not saying my opinion has to be your opinion. I'm just saying this is my opinion. I I don't know what's you know, I don't I don't know why. I'm just gonna be honest with you guys, old Phantom Rider 05, old Matthew Butter. It, it's like my opinion's always wrong with this guy, with you, Matt. You know, I'm calling I'm calling you out, Matthew. Now what he's gonna do is send me an email now and say, well, you called me out, and I'm gonna call you out, and then I can choose not to read that email. <laughs> I'm a jerk like that. I probably shouldn't post this episode. Steve's being mean to one listener. Anyhow, um, I you know what? And, I, and I'm going back, and you make a good point because I will say this: Matthew makes a great point because kids in the '80s were into Freddy, and Freddy was not made for kids. Freddy Krueger, uh, they were into Jay. I mean, those those guys became cultural icons and phenomenons. But I also know it's not because. I feel like, I don't want to say I know, but I feel like it's not because a lot of parents said, oh, sure, watch whatever you want to watch. I think it was because kids snuck around behind their parents' back. and yeah, It was a different era, man. We didn't have the internet. We couldn't, you know, it, you had to get over to a friend's house who might have had some, you know, a little more loosey-goosey parents or whose parents weren't home. And then you could pop in Nightmare on Elm Street and be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I'm so scared to go to sleep now. You know, that kind of thing. Um but everyone knew. I mean, it was just in the it was in the vernacular, you know. Um, 
And so I really think that that's, that's a huge key on some of the stuff that is cited early on in this email. But I also think that, yeah, you know what? Parenting has changed. And I'm not a parent at all, okay? I'm not a parent. Uh, I'm single, ladies, and with no kids. Uh, I've got, you know, I've got different kinds of baggage. Come on. Um, so I'm not going to tell anyone how to, uh, how to, how to raise their children. But I will say this, that I honestly don't think that, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy was necessarily made for kids. So, um, (laughs) generating a lot of discussion in the chat over this stuff. Um, so, uh. You know, it's good cop, good conversation, good conversation. I just, you know, I just giving my opinion. Moving on. Here comes some episode seven theories about Luke from our friend Tim. Tim says, "Hey Steve, been seeing a lot of talk about Luke's potential role in the Force Awakens. Personally, I think everyone has the wrong idea or interpretation of the current rumors. I should say rumor alert here. It says, okay, so the crazy hermit Luke, who's afraid of his power, rumor doesn't make sense sense to me. However," A Luke who looks back on his past mistakes the Jedi had made, becoming so political and obsessed with their own code rather than the will of the Force. I can see himself. I can see him removing himself from the political squabbles between the remnants of the Empire and the Rebellion slash New Republic. I can see him not forming a new Jedi Order proper at a temple, so much as becoming some sort of Jedi Grandmaster Guru who will train the people who come to him like Mr. Miyagi before sending them out into the galaxy to carry on the Jedi way more spiritual and having to do with the living force and all the technical aspects. Like you always say, midichlorians are not the force. They do not create the force. They are receptors, and people with a higher count are much more in touch. What was that with touch? Much more in touch with the force. Much more in touch with the force. I can see Luke being the modern Qui-Gon, a hippie Jedi. I can picture him knocking on the sky and listening to the sound. That's a Tron Legacy reference, by the way. All that technical and political crap is what led the Jedi Order to, down, to its downfall. So I just see Luke not so much going into self-imposed exile a la Yoda as becoming some sort of monk-type Jedi who isn't beholden to any form of government such as he is the Force. Taking the Jedi back to their samurai-esque roots, only more of a ronin for his only master is the Force. He's not a representative of the Republic or Rebellion, rather the Jedi Knights. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. They should serve the Republic, but not the Senate. Rather, the people, not the politicians. So not wanting to repeat past mistakes, I can kind of see Luke staying out of a conflict until he absolutely has to. He'd let Leia handle the formation of government, I think. It's not his place, and I think he'd recognize that. The Republic rebellion can go toe-to-toe with the Empire. The Sith, on the other hand, that's a different matter entirely. That's why that's when they'll need Luke and the Jedi as a whole. That's what will bring him out of seclusion. The Empire's been able to stick around even with a power vacuum. The Sith, they've been gone for nearly 30 years, right? Now they're re-emerging. Thus, the Force awakens. There's light, and now there's dark again. It's truly imbalanced. It's not a matter of Rebellion Republic versus the Empire anymore. It's much bigger than them. The galaxy needs the Jedi. Luke hopefully won't be crazy or insecure or fall to the dark side or anything. He'll probably just be very zen until he's forced to ignite his lightsaber once more. You know what? I, I would love the idea of Luke... Um, did you ever see the rundown with the rock? Now you want to talk about a fun movie that's violent, heavy, the rundown with the rock and Sean William Scott, fun movie. Great. Christopher Walken's in there. You know, I feel like a child 
who's just lost his first tooth. And the tooth fairy comes to leave money. Only, it's not the tooth fairy. A burglar comes and steals the tooth and craps in your windshield. Wind, wind sill. Window sill. Window. You know. Do you understand the concept of the tooth fairy? Anyhow, uh, love that movie. But uh, The Rock's character will not use guns. He, Dwayne Rock Johnson, his, his character refuses to use guns. He does a, I mean, and he does some butt kicking. When he finally gets a gun in his hand, it's like this moment where it's just B.A. It is awesome. And and I would love a Luke like that. It's like I know I'm not lighting up. I'm not lighting up this lightsaber. I'm not I'm not using my saber. I'm not doing it. And then boom. You know. The conflict will get to the point where he's needed. He'll go from Zen Master to Chuck Norris in space. By the way, Chuck Norris, he's seventy four. Hamill, Luke isn't that old, and he got back into shape for the film, so I'm still hoping for a lightsaber battle a la episode two Yoda. Since Mark got in shape for the role. If Harrison Ford was able to do the stunts for Crystal Skull, Hamill can do lightsaber battles. Basically, until we see evidence of Luke Skywalker being crazy, I don't, I don't know about being crazy and insecure. I don't think that if Luke is, if Luke is in seclusion, seclusion, seclusion at all, I don't know that he's going to be crazy and insecure. I think, I think you're right. I think you're on the right mark. I think it's a matter of that's what he knows. That's what the people who taught Luke. That's where they came from. Was a place of seclusion. So Luke would go do the same thing. I can totally. I don't think Luke is going to reform a Jedi Order. I think there's some other talk about that. But I also don't think that the rise of the dark side is what's causing the Force to awaken. Um, I think it's just the Force awakening in, in a way that hasn't been in years. And and, and, um, and I think that uh, that that that's going to come into play heavy. With what's going on. Anyhow, basically until we see evidence of Luke Skywalker being crazy and insecure hermit, I refuse to believe it, says Tim. Normally I'm the type of person who rolls their eyes at people that say this current status quo of Star Wars betrays their childhood. But if Luke Skywalker is a broken old man or someone who follows the dark side, I don't know what else I could call that, honestly. He would have had learned the mistakes. He would have learned from the mistakes of Obi-Wan Yoda and all the others. While cautious, I can't see him giving in to paranoia. What say you, Steve? Well, I, I said what I say. I, I really hope we don't get dark side Luke. I think that really undermines... Uh, all that Luke did um, in that original trilogy. <clears throat> Alan chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, I'm not only a fan, but a listener. No, you're just a listener, sir. I don't have fans. In fact, as I've raised my daughters from the tweens to nearly adulthood, I've been listening to you. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate that. I struggled early with how to introduce my daughters into, geek, into my geeky things without pushing something on them they do not wish. Apparently, I was mostly mostly successful. I have four daughters who love comic book movies. Not so much comics, but I think that is a function of our lack of access to decent comic book shop, games, both video and board, and other various sundries such as Doctor Who. Thank you for being a voice in the darkness for those without access to the geek community. P.S. When you played Save Me on the most recent episode, I got chills. I remember sitting in the living room with my little girls and all of us getting excited that Smallville was coming on. I miss Starkville House of L. So do I, Alan. So do I. And I miss Smallville. But fortunately, it's right in there on my DVDs for me to plug in anytime I want to. Alan, thanks just for the kind words, man. I really appreciate it. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not going to do that one. 
Derek chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, it's me, the Trek Joke Killer. Checking in since it's been a while, but I had to chime in with some Muppet love since listening to your last show. I've been meaning to do this sooner, but kept procrastinating. And now I got to beat, and now I got beat to the punch with bringing Muppet Talk to the table, so here it goes. I finally watched Muppets Most Wanted about two weeks ago and loved it. I've been a Muppet fan since I was a kid watching Sesame Street back in the 70s and have loved most of what's been done in recent times. This is where the safe place to geek out comes into play for me yet again. I'm now a big fan of the term hate watch. Uh, I'm sorry, since that's what I do with Jason Siegel's The Muppets, is I don't hate the movie, but it's not my favorite. I'll go back and watch pretty much all the other movies, but don't revisit that one much at all. I was hoping you could tell me how you compare it to the others. Um, I don't think The Muppets, uh, the movie with Jason Siegel, would be would mean as much to me were it not for the other movies. I think it depends heavily on... Uh, the Muppet Show, and a few prior movies uh, to really get it. What And so I understand where you might not like it so much, but I, I mean, I just have such a place in my heart for that. I cried five times while I was watching it for crying out loud. I love that movie. Um, I say all this basically to my big question. How do you rank the Muppet movies? Here's my ranking. Number seven, The Muppets. Again, don't hate it, but not my favorite. Number six, The Great Muppet Caper. Although classic, it always left me wanting, uh, a little wanting since it followed the original. Number five, Muppets from Space. Had great moments, and truth be told, I saw this in the theater with a workmate. Yes, two grown men, comfortable in their masculinity, seeing a Muppet movie together. I saw Muppets from Space in the theater with college guys. Uh, I wasn't in college. I was, I forget what I was doing, but it was my brother and some of his buddies from college went and saw Muppets from Space. I didn't care. He says, so yes, I understand what bromance is. Number four, Muppets Take Manhattan. Again, great moments like, hi, Phil, I'm Jill. You know Gil and Bill. And I crack up every time when Gregory Hines looks at Kermit and says, you gave Jenny the huggies? I don't know. Or I know, don't ask. Number three, Muppets Most Wanted. Even though it's still very new, it's already ranked as, favorite, as a favorite for me. It had me from the beginning when Constantine says, it's time to light the lights, then blows up the prison. Number two, Muppet Treasure Island. The same guy I saw from Space With is the only person I know who can quote lines from this one like I can. Oh, Satan is hating his poker for you. Jim. Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Jim. Jimmy, Jim, Jim. Um... Tim Curry, Sam the Eagle is Mr. Errol... Blind Pew looking for Billy Bones. <laughs> yes. I listen to the audio of this at work on a regular basis. I love it. So the obvious number one is the Muppet movie. You can't beat the A-list at the time of cameos. Dom DeLuise, Steve Martin, Mel Brooks, Richard Pryor, Milton Burrow, Bob Hope, etc. And from start to finish, not a slow moment to be seen. I disagree. The whole never before. Um, I went into Kermit instead of Piggy. Never before. Yeah, I, that that was always slowed down for me. Watching Kermit and Fozzie walk to the abandoned church to hear Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem rocking out just to hear Fozzie say, they don't look Presbyterian to me. Well, enough said. I could go on about this, but I'm sure this is lengthy enough. Hopefully I can revisit the subject in the future, but I'll leave it here for now. Just want to get your thoughts. And side note, remind me to tell you my wrestling brush with fame next time and how I got to hang out with B.A. Billy Gunn of the New Age Outlaws. Till then, it's a good day to podcast. Um... Uh, how do I rank them? Ah, oh, you know what? I don't know. Um, I feel... I, uh, they're all different for me. I, um, 
I honestly, right now in my life, put Muppets Most Wanted Muppets 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 Most Wanted at number seven. You left out uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, by the way, which I consider in there. I consider that one of the major Muppet releases. Um, I don't know. I'd have to sit and think about this one because I, I feel like the Muppet movie should be number one, but. But the but the Muppets Take Manhattan has such a a, a fond place in my heart, um, sentimentally, and and what that spun out into with Muppet Babies and that sort of thing, um, the Great Muppet Caper was I always liked the Great Muppet Caper less than I like the Muppet Movie. The Muppet Movie is really kind of Muppet perfection in a movie, to be honest with you. Um, but I think I quote Muppets Take Manhattan more readily than any of them. Um, I love Muppets Treasure Island. So, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. But you make me want to do a Muppets watch through, sir. And I'm trying to get at uh, Geek K on the Twitter to come talk some Muppets with us on Geek Out Loud. So, um, <laughs> speaking of Muppets, on the last episode... Uh, we had an emailer uh, talk about his uh, uh, girlfriend um, who didn't like the Muppets. And so Dewey chimes in. He says, your response to the emailer who made a connection to some someone named Maggie through Star Wars, your response should be, dump her on the spot. There are plenty of geek fans out there who will be a perfect fit. <laughs> the end. I don't... I, I don't think that's right, Dewey. I don't think... I don't think that's the way to go. I really don't. Um... What else have we got here? What else have we got here? Um, Matthew Marks chimes in. He says, uh, some thoughts on episode 111. Every time you say you're just mediocre, I hear Willow's voice saying, you are great. Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes is such a great way to get acquainted with the Marvel Universe. I actually wasn't that big of a fan of the portrayal of the Guardians of the Galaxy, though. They didn't seem to like, they didn't seem like the fit uh, that I'd read of them in the comics. The movie versions differed too, but I feel like the tone was still right. Anyway, I'm not the only one who likes bad impersonations theater. Kermit, yay! Now, I don't feel bad about sending in my own request, and we'll get to that later on the show. Uh, and then he has a he has a commercial idea for Daniel and Andy, which, Matthew, this is a commercial I've had on my mind for a while. I've just got to produce it. Um, but basically, it's the geekiest man in the world. Stay geeky, my friends. Um, copyright Steve. Okay, that's it for the email. Can't wait for the next goal. And that's from Matthew Marks. And he's just kind of affirming, if you haven't been able to check out Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes on Netflix, do so. It is a great, great introduction into the Marvel Universe. Let's do one more thing really quickly. Kent Graham chimes in. He says, having not read any EU material and knowing the trivia in regards to the one line of dialogue Luke never actually says in the, in the original trilogy, what are the chances The Force Awakens gives us Luke Skywalker actually saying, may the force be with you. Does Abrams deliver that, or does he let it be, leaving the most famously unspoken line it is today? <clears throat> well, that's true. Luke never says it. He Han says it, but Luke never says it. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's one of those little pieces of minutia I hadn't really thought of. Um, I think he leaves it unspoken. I don't think it'll come out. I don't... I don't even know if that if that phrase will be spoken. Um, I don't know that that phrase will be spoken in in the movies. I really don't. Other than the way it 
Maybe. I mean, maybe someone will be like, may the force be with us kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, Ralph, finally, last email here. Ralph Pachico chimes in. He says, hi, Steve. I want to start out by saying thank you so much for giving us a safe place to geek out. I'm 43 from San Diego, California. San Diego. San Diego. Breathe it in. I grew up surfing, riding BMX, and skateboarding, and I always said it. Always said it loud, said it proud about my love for Star Wars. Of course, I was always called a dork and an idiot. It just made me laugh at what they were missing. There's a time not too long ago that if you went to Comic-Con, people would laugh at you for going. Then as it became more popular, others would start to ask if I was going. And in their voice, I could sense an interest in the event. I would invite others, but they were all too cool to go. I never let it bother me. And now all those same people are standing in line for 10 hours to see one panel. When back then, I was able to plan my day from running from one event to another. When Smallville came out, I was able to get my roommates to watch it with me. They all really enjoyed it, and it was the one show we agreed to watch together. I'm not sure if you knew this, Steve, but Smallville lasted 10 seasons. I, I mean, I did know that, Ralph. I was, I was there the whole time. And so did I, my friend. So you can see why I was so happy to discover the Shoe Podcast. I cannot wait to hear the show's reaction to every episode. The lifespan of Smallville, I was single. I, I was single as well. Well, exception of about a year in there. But now I'm single. Ladies. Met this girl that soon became my wife, had a son, and life was on a new path. With all this change, I still watched the show and waited for your following episode. Insert singing. How do we do? This is where I want to thank you for providing a small escape in what was to be the heaviest and most heart-wrenching part of my life. December 2010, my five-year-old son was diagnosed with a skull-based cancerous tumor. At that point, life had changed. My son... Uh, had an operation to remove the tumor, followed by chemo, and I'm glad to tell you he's a survivor, but during many hours spent in the hospital, we still watched Smallville and Clone Wars. Whenever he was about to get shots or some other painful treatment, I would always call him my little Jedi as a demonstration of how to be brave. Listening to your show and your laughter brought me light in a time when I really need it. Thank you, my friend. Wow, this got deep quick, Ralph. The last episode of Smallville, my wife Sarah told me she would switch places with me and stay overnight at the hospital so I could go home and watch the final episode. I screamed and yelled so loud at the end when Clark unbuttoned his shirt, exposing the S, and the sweet music of John Williams played. I only wish my friends were still around to watch. But listening to the steric reaction, I once again felt as I was amongst friends. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Darn it, Steve, this is not the only reason I wrote to you. I want to talk some Star Wars. This is my take on The Force Awakens. We've not seen or heard any rumors on Princess Leia, and this leads me to believe that Leia might be the antagonist in this film. Going back when Luke revealed to Leia that all the family secrets that she's very strong with the Force, Luke was supposed to guide and train her in the ways of the Force. What if she denied Luke the opportunity due to her feelings, due, due to her feeling freaked out on how her father turned evil with the dark side? What if she was always unknowingly using the Force to influence her will on others? Being that she was so passionate and kind of a hothead, this allowed the dark side to creep into her being. The truth of her relationship to Luke and Vader still kept a secret. So that, so that it would not handicap her political position and leadership. Whether Leah and Han married and had kids, their relationship failed, pushing her further to the dark side. Luke and Leia are the children of Vader, who was born without father. Luke and Leia could be the yin and yang, the dark side and the light side of the far, farce, the force. There is that leaked concept. Well, I won't talk about that. Uh, but he says maybe Leia has daddy issues. Think about this. With every hero, there's always an equal villain. Who else in this universe could be Luke's equal but his own twin sister? Ralph, I first off, man, I'm I'm glad you know. Thank you for the kind words, and thank you for um, listening to Shoe back in the day, and thank you for 
sticking around for Geek Out Loud. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad your son's doing well. That that's awesome. And and give him all of the goal love that you can from from the entire Goaliverse. We 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 are we're so happy he's still with us today. And uh, and I know we're nowhere near as happy as you and your wife are that he's still with us. But um, but I hope he's doing well. And uh, and I hope you know wish him a long and, and happy life. And wish you guys a long, happy life with him. Um, to your Star Wars speculation, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm going to say I don't think so, uh, just because none of the rumors and stuff point in that direction. But sir, that'd be kind of intense. I don't, I don't see Leia going that route. I can see her rejecting training because of what happened with Vader. I can see her turning that down. I can't. I don't see her going full on evil though. Um, because, because of that, I just, I don't see that happening, but I I think it's a great speculation and well thought out and, um, and, and I'd kind of want to hug you. So that's, that's what I got there for, from that. Um, well, as, uh. As I always do, whenever I get uncomfortable, I take a break. So let's do that right now. We'll take a break. When we come back, snippets.
cowboy secret spy, true love, super villain, two in one, bad guys are taking over Washington. Don't be scared, 'cause I'm prepared. It's an emergency, but I'm ready. It's more than me. It wasn't any propeller. It wasn't any coral reef. And it wasn't Jack the Ripper. It was a shark. No swimming. I order the Amity PD. We will be open for business. Now, if you fellas are concerned about the beaches, you do whatever you have to to make them safe. Summer is over. You're the mayor of Shark City. These people think you want the beaches open. I, I was, I was, I was acting in the, in the town's best interest. That's right. You were acting in the town's best interest, and that's why you're going to do the right thing. That's why you're going to sign this and we're going to pay that guy what he wants. This summer, a danger from below meets the savior of the night. You know me. We've been at war. Since before either of us even existed, you try killing my mother. You kill my father. You will not kill me. You'll come for the music. You're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll get the bad boat. But you'll stay for the adventure. Oh, boys. I think he's come back for his noon feeding. Evasive maneuvers now! That's straight! That's just straight! Now we're gonna have to call you! We stay the course! We are dead! Batman vs. Jaws. Come this summer. Coming soon to Kenner, the new Play It Out Loud line of toys. You can be the amazing Big Honkin'. I'd be glad that. Become your favorite heroes. Mono, mono, mono. Superman, Superman, Superman! Hello, lady. Act out your favorite adventures. Oh no, there is a winner! Kenna's Play It Out Loud. Buck Thompson, Bigfoot, and Edna Playset sewed separately. Now you have the power of the Gulliverse in your hands. It's the story of a beginning. Then came the darkness. At last, a hero 
will rise. Experience the Bible like never before with the Christian Bale Audio Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. The Christian Bale Audio Bible also features a special guest appearance by actor Tom Hardy as Bane. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You've never heard the Bible like this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Christian Bale Audio Bible comes packaged with a series of studies and commentaries designed to help you apply the Word of God to your life and ask the difficult questions we all face. Titles of the studies include Why Do We Fall? Becoming More Than Just a Man and Climbing Out of the Pit. This is the audio Bible that every hardcore Christian Baal fan needs. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me, hereby God, that you will not deal falsely with me, or with my descendants. It's the audio Bible you deserve, and the one you need right now. I want you to take evasive action off your couch, and come down to Admiral Akbar's snack bar and miscellaneous emporium. I'm Admiral Akbar. Once we defeated the Empire, I had to reacclimate myself to civilian life. And I found my calling by selling delicious snacks and other miscellaneous items. Visit my store, and you can see here the ridiculous amount of savings and healthy foods housed within our 200,000 square foot superstructure. Some of the items include the following. My world famous chicken Caesar wraps. We have frap pacinos. Cats. Baseball bats. It's a trap for catching mice. You will have no choice but to shop at Admiral Akbar's snack bar and miscellaneous emporium. You just can't repel deals of that magnitude. Proceed with the countdown to savings, and may the force be with you. Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And we're here to tell you about our podcast, Flicks. Flicks is a podcast that reviews the biggest movies hitting the theaters, such as... Captain America, Winter Soldier, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Amazing Spider-Man. Godzilla. Dolphin Tail 2. What? No. Why would we review Dolphin Tail 2? The first one had Morgan Freeman in it. Morgan Freeman works with Batman. Anyway, we don't only cover the latest, we also cover the greatest. When there isn't a blockbuster hitting the local theater, we're talking about some of our favorites from the past. Movies like The Goonies. Star Wars. Featuring Steve Lawson. Gremlins. Terminator. National Lampoon's Vacation. The Last Airbender. Dude, no one liked The Last Airbender. You did. Stop derailing the promo. <sighs> now, why should you listen to our show out of all the other movie review podcasts out there? Because we really do love the movies we talk about. And because every couple of years, Steve Glosson comes on and talks Star Wars. Seriously, dude. Hey, know your audience. Fair enough. Listen to Flick's podcast because we know Steve. And it's snippet time here on Geek Out Loud. Snippet number one. Uh, snippet. Um, I was on Flix uh, a couple weeks ago, in fact. Go check out our episode talking about the Phantom Menace. I took three hours with those guys. You get, it's weird. You get me talking about Star Wars, and I just keep going. I don't know how to shut up. I don't talk about Star Wars enough. <laughs> I don't do enough of Steve's Star Wars Corner is is what happens. It was a long episode, and I thank those guys so much for having me come on. And uh, we're going to do it again hopefully soon with Attack of the Clones, and then, of course, round things out with uh, Revenge of the Sith. And then, um, you know, there's nothing else that I talk about when it comes to this geeky stuff as much as I can end up talking about Star Wars, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I'm not going to say it's crazy. That's, well, yeah, it's crazy. It's, I'm crazy. Uh, but, yeah, so go check them out. Flix Podcast. Dan and Jason do a great job talking about movies they enjoy. And, and what you get a lot of times is um, you don't get the hate. You know, and I think that's one of the things I like about those guys. Even when they see a movie they don't like, they have fun talking about it. But they never end up trashing the filmmakers or, or that sort of thing. And and Flix is what really helped me see Top Gun through a light that I'd never seen it before. It's a it's a chick flick disguised as a movie trying to be an action movie. Well, snippet. Whoopa. Uh Avengers Avengers. Uh Agents of Shield has wrapped up the first half of its season. And um man, they are on they are on a, they've won me over. That show has, you know, if I was, um, <clears throat> if I was critical of it during the first half of the first season, I've, I've turned the corner. I'm I'm not going to be like this huge staunch defender of this show because people, you know, I'll be honest with you. If people have refused to come back to the show because of what the first half of the season was in that first season, I don't blame them. I can't say we'll go revisit it now because it's so serialized that you kind of step in not really understanding what you're seeing and what you're getting. But um, it's becoming a neat little, 
uh, corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to introduce some characters uh, in, in a special way that may not be that huge in the Marvel Universe, but at the same time, uh, deserve, you know, in a way, their time in the sun when it comes to the way that Marvel's doing things these days. Uh, for example, uh, Sky's father, who I did not realize this, did not realize this, did not realize this until um, until I kind of read up on what took place on the, the mid-season finale. Sky is apparently uh, a character named Quake from the Marvel comics. Now, I'm not super familiar with Quake, but Quake has been huge as it pertains to Shield. She has been um, an Avenger. She's she she has powers to control basically seismic waves, and and I will say this that her father is a man named Hyde, uh, as in Mister Hyde, Doctor Hyde. Uh, this is a character that I was first introduced to. No shocker here. Um, in the pages of the Incredible Hulk, I believe it was Incredible Hulk number one fifty eight. Um, I'm not one, not one fifty-eight, three fifty-eight, maybe it was, it, maybe it was even earlier than that. Um, yeah, it was definitely earlier than that. Uh, when, when did I, when did I learn of, of, of Hyde? Let me see. I, I'm really interested to try to figure out what, uh, when, when I, when, cause he was in a, he was in a he was in an in an issue. Here it is. I found it. I should have googled this for him. Three sixty eight. I was so close. I knew there was an eight and a three in there. I knew it was three something eight. But it was uh, <clears throat> it's one of those issues where they say it's time for an offbeat tale, and it's the Hulk. Um, and he's on a train. He Bruce Banner hops a train, and he finds himself on a boxcar with Mr. Hyde, uh, or Dr. Hyde. I forget what they call him in, in the comics, but they end up fighting it out, and the Hulk leaves Hyde to his own, basically his own demise, and ends up taking his cape <laughs> when he leaves. Um, and it's, you know, they, they like I said, they advertise it as an offbeat tale. It's wedged in between... Um, it's wedged in between a time when the Hulk uh, had almost died, and uh, in a in a little four part arc called uh, Countdown, and um, and and Bruce Banner had been poisoned, and <clears throat> and so he uh, and after that they they roll into just a couple of just a couple of offbeat tales. The one with Hyde. Then the Hulk ends up with this family uh, in a town that he thought he had destroyed, but he ends up working with, like, the Blob and... Well, it's a group called Freedom Force back then, but it was the Blob and Pyro and someone else. I can't think of who the other person was. But then immediately after that, we're thrust right into the events that would um, bring us up to the Green Hulk coming back. Issue... 370 and 371 is a story that features the original Avengers and then 
boom, we're off to the races with the original Green Hulk coming back, and it just gets nuts from there. But anyhow, I say all that to say, as with any Marvel character, I'm introduced to them in the pages of the Incredible Hulk or the Fantastic Four, nine times out of ten. That's where I, uh, I'm introduced to those characters. And so I'm not super familiar with this guy other than he's strong and he's crazy and he's smart. Um, and he's, he's kind of a minor character in, in the Marvel Universe as a whole. He's, it's never really fun to see him show up because he is a little bit on the darker side. But, um, but when I, when, when I realized upon doing some research into some of the stuff from this, this season, this mid-season finale, when I realized that Sky's dad is, is that man, I, I geeked out. I geeked out hardcore because it's really exciting to me. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about this show, you know, is that they're starting to to trickle in some of these things like this. And not just trickling in, but but drop it in pretty pretty hardcore. And they're not scared they're not scared to kill off people you like. And usually I don't like that. Because okay, I'll say this. I've always been critical of Whedon, Whedon, uh, since Firefly. And and Serenity, watching the movie, I think the movie was Serenity and the show was Firefly. But anyhow, when a major character got killed off out of nowhere for no reason, and and everyone took me to task. They're like, well, you know, you, death is never certain. It's never okay, fine. But I don't want that in my TV. I want someone to die because it mattered and and they were trying to do something worthwhile. And and in this show, that's generally what happens. You know, it, it's very comic bookish in the way that they go out. No one ever goes out cheap. You know, no one ever goes out suddenly just for shock value. And, um, and anytime something happens that you're sad, you get a payoff with something that's good. Um, I, I'm, I'm bound and determined for Madam Hydra to be the, the lady. And I can't think of her name right now, who has the messed up face, who was impersonating agent may and her face got all messed up. And now she's walking around with a messed up face. I'm bound and determined for that to end up being, Madam Hydra. And that's another thing. It's really cool that they're still following this Hydra arc. Hydra's still out there. And the people you have fighting Hydra are these agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Mockingbird on this show has been great. Um, Adrian Pilecki, I think is how you say her name, is just fantastic. Um, and then you've got the lady in the flowery dress, and I can't think of her name right off the top of my head. But but she looks like, um, you know, she's actually going to be changed by what goes on in this midseason finale, not just as far as receiving powers, but she looks to be like she's going to be changed. Um, Raina, thank you. Uh, she looks like she's going to be changed physically, almost like a mutant kind of thing. So as much as this ties into the Kree, and Kree is a word that's gotten thrown around. We first heard Kree officially in Guardians of the Galaxy, but now it's been thrown around on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and and that's exciting to me. Just the idea that the Kree are there. Now, if Marvel Studios could somehow, I mean, I, you know, and I don't know if all this canceling of the Fantastic Four in the comics and, and killing off Wolverine is really Marvel's way of trying to get these properties that are off at Fox underneath their studio umbrella. I don't see how that's a sound strategy to work that out. Um, I think what they really need to do is wait for this Fantastic Four movie to come out and see how it does. Uh, Personally, based on what I've heard, I don't know that it's going to do all that well. 
Um, you know, so I hadn't said much about it. I, I just, I'm disappointed in what I've seen. Um, I, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that somehow everything that I'm thinking based on what I've seen and heard is that I'm just being, you know, overly knee jerky reactionist to, to what's going on. But I will say this, um, that if that movie doesn't do well, then there's a good chance that Marvel could come back to Fox and say, look, just give it back to us. Let us pay you to get this thing back. And maybe Fox will be like, yeah, we can't seem to make it work. Or maybe they'll work some deal out with Fox. But if you could bring the scroll in and somehow one of these days have the Kree scroll war, if you could, oh my gosh, they're really, I think, missing the boat. I know they're doing the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel down the road. I think they're missing the boat by not doing Marvel. Uh, the original Captain Marvel uh, in Marvel Comics is um, is is he's a Cree superhero basically, and he is um, fantastic. Uh, and um, and he is one of the one of the few characters in the Marvel universe that stayed dead, and he died of cancer. It's it's fascinating, and he's the one. Um, and every time they've teased bringing him back, it's been like a doppelganger or a scroll or something like that. But And he's kind of the one that, even though his comic wasn't this huge seller back in the day, they've taken his death and allowed that to be something that these other heroes kind of cling to. Um, and uh, it's, I'm sorry, someone's, someone's interacting with me and derailing the podcast and don't even realize it. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, so I say all that to say this, that what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing for me as a Marvel fan is it's doing what I was hope, was hoping it would do in that first season of, you know, that first half of the first season. Not just, not just playing off the movies and, and kind of dropping a hint, um, you know, here and there, a little, you know, a little throwaway reference to the movies here or there. Uh, but, um, but also, but, 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 but really getting into the Marvel mythology in some neat ways, you know, getting their fingerprints in, in the Marvel mythology in some neat ways. Um, sorry guys, I'm going to have to edit this part out. So anyway, uh, I, Agents of Shield has me, and 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 I'm and I'm perfectly happy to be had by Agents of Shield. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. What where are we going next? Oh, speaking of Agents of Shield and some Agents of Shield stuff, uh, snippet. Um, Agent Carter is going to get a two-hour premiere, and um. And, and, and I'm really, I think that's cool. I like the idea. I, I hope that what they're able to do with this show is, is, you know, it's an eight part kind of miniseries thing. I'd like to see them do these during the hiatuses, um, all the way around, uh, breaking, breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, we have the techno retro dads breaking into geek out loud. We're live by the way, guys, at mixer.com slash Golaverse. Shaz Bazaar. And Jedi Schwa, welcome to Geek Out Loud, and thank you for having me on Techno Retro Dads. 
we decide to hack into your show. Yeah, I got my we crowbar. We are anonymous. Wait a second. You just told our names. That won't work. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't be bringing Shit, anonymous. I'm anonymous. Don't say anything. Don't, don't be bringing anonymous into this mess, man. That's, <laughs> I'm scared of those guys. <laughs> we wear masks. That's right. <laughs> well, since we broke into the joint. What are you talking about? Uh, right now, I'm just running through some various and sundry snippets. I just got through kind of talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Whoa, um, that was oh. amazing last night. <laughs> I, <gasps> well, what really got me, because, guys, I'm a Marvel kid from way back. Oh, yeah. And yeah. what really got me is when I realized that uh, Sky's dad is Mr. Hyde from the Marvel Universe. I kind of suspected that a little a few weeks ago. I didn't see it coming at all, you know, until I until I kind of nosed around because I wasn't super familiar with Mister Hyde. I have like one issue or two issues with him in it, and I just think it's cool. And what I was saying was, I think it's cool how, uh, you know, ever with this season especially because they've been able to kind of be unfettered from the movies. You know, the way yes. that they were really chained yep. to the movies in the first season, they've been unfettered, and they've been able to kind of do some of this stuff and drop in some of these B-level characters and make them really matter. You know, as far as oh, like yes. Sky being Quake and, and that sort of thing. And I know there are some people like, she's not B-level, but to me, she kind of is, you know. A lot of those yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. characters, a lot of those it's S.H.I.E.L.D. characters. It's like a Spider-Man and Iron Man. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think if you, didn't, if you didn't have your own title, you know, like mm-hmm. Wolverine or something, right. then, you're, then you're a B-level character. Yeah. And then there's a lot of sea level characters too that were just kind of thrown in there too. But and there's those below the sea, like Submariner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't don't bring your puns on the Geek Out Loud, man. <laughs> well, it, it blew me away when I discovered that Sky's father was Muadib. Oh, now listen, hold on. I got to tell you, I wouldn't know what you're talking about except that I've just finished up listening to the audiobook of Dune for the first really? time in my life. And uh, I'm going to be doing, uh, in a week or so, a, an episode of Dune with one of our Patreon supporters. Uh, oh, doing an episode great. of Gold on Dune, yeah. So I know what Muad'Dib is now. <laughs> well, well, hey, if you want to uh, hear uh, me uh, pontificate a little bit more about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. you can always listen to me and uh, Jovial J talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files over there on randomchatter.com. All right, random chat. Well, go ahead, man. I'll leave that plug in there. I'm always happy to plug people. So, <laughs> so, so what? Your so now, just to plug. Now, so what's no, up with you guys? No, no. What's up with the Techno Retro Dads? What are you guys doing? Oh, we're getting ready for our Christmas special that we're going to release in a couple of weeks, but uh, we just thought we'd we'd call and interact with a few of our buddies oh, and cool. uh, find out find out just a couple things from them. All right. Or, well, or maybe just one. Well, let's do this. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, this is going to get left in the goal episode because I don't edit. Uh, oh, that's not that's a problem. Fine. Okay. This is a teaser. This for, is our crossover for... episode. Oh, See, yeah. Is, it's, we're like comic books now. We're like the Flash and Arrow. Exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> By the way, the Flash mid-season finale, guys. <gasps> and you can hear me and Jovial Jace talk about that on Scarlet, Scarlet Velocity. Velocity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know. Whoa. We're just hanging around here, Wanta. You know, got to sit on Santa's lap. And we were just wondering of what all our friends, you know, what, do you remember something specific that you asked Santa for? Uh, yeah, for years I asked him for an ad at. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he ever bring it to you? No. 
No. No. But he brought you the Ewok Battle Wagon. That's right. He brought me the Ewok Battle Wagon, sir. You better believe it. (laughs) No ADAT for Steve Glosson. Yeah, but I was... I think... I I have this this series, see, that that he... Because I never got an ADAT for Christmas Mm -hmm. either. I had to get that on my own. Yeah, but I work all summer for I it. Maybe he had like uh, he had like a fear of them up at the North Pole. I, they were probably out there attacking him. They're probably surrounding him. Well, you know what? I think that Santa sometimes doesn't give us one or two things that we want, so that we'll learn the value of going out and earning it. That's it. You know, worked for me. I think Santa is a man of principle. Santa, the man I like of principle. That. Yeah, he's. Like we'll that. ask him whenever we go see him today. Oh, we'll tell him. Hey, you know I work for Santa. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah, yeah. You know because you know I think I knew that. Yeah, Santa is. You know he has a lot of ambassadors like me, jolly fat guys, who he imparts a little magic to sometimes at this part of the season to be places where he can't be. And um, and I got a little bit of that magic one time, and I was headed. I was making an appearance for Santa as Santa. Um, at a at a high school band Christmas concert they were doing for the elementary school in town for the elementary school kids, yeah. And um, and the band director of the high school, who's a good friend of mine, uh, he told me he's like, now the last song we're going to play Jingle Bells, and that's when I want you know you as Santa to come in. And I'm like, okay. And they were they were in the auditorium at the high school, big theater auditorium, you know. And I was going to come in the back and walk down the aisle, much like a wrestler going to the ring. And, um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm suited up. I've got the magic upon me. And, um, and, and they, they go into this song. And, it's, and, and, and I had some handlers. He had some girls that were kind of my handlers. And they came around the dressing room and knocked on there like, all right, they're playing their last song now. I'm like, all right, cool. So I, I come around, and, and I'm, I'm getting ready to bust through the doors. And uh, and they're not playing Jingle Bells. And I look at them, I'm like, well, they're supposed to be playing Jingle Bells. I'm like, well, they will. It's part of this song. It's kind of a medley. I'm like, okay. And uh, <laughs> so sure enough, man, they, they, they build the crescendo. I forget what song it was, but it builds a crescendo, and it goes into Jingle Bells. So the minute I hear Jingle Bells, I let it go through like a measure or two, and I bust through the back doors, and I'm, ho, 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 <laughs> Merry Christmas! And you would have thought a rock star had walked in. <laughs> Hundreds of kids stand to their feet and go nuts for Santa Claus. And I'm walking down the aisle. I'm slapping hands. I'm, how are you doing, buddy? You know, all this stuff. And, I, and, and as I'm about halfway down the aisle of this auditorium, the, the tempo of the music slows drastically. Oh. <laughs> as... <laughs> As the band is now playing Silent Night. <laughs> and the kids are still just on their feet. They're not worried about the band. Santa is in the room. At this point, I need to tell you that my my good friend who was the band director is complete opposite of me in personality. Whereas Uh-oh. I find stuff like this hilarious... He's up there directing, and I know he is just flop-sweating bullets right now and <laughs> angry with me. And, uh, and so I get down to the front of the, the auditorium, Silent Night's playing, and I bound up on stage, and he looks at me out of the corner of his mouth. He's sitting there directing, and he goes, You're early. <laughs> and in full Santa voice, I go, You were playing Jingle Bells. <laughs> 
it's not my fault. <laughs> That's right. It's not my fault. You were playing you know Jingle what? You, Bells. You should have just... You, you should have just kind of kind of grabbed the microphone there and and went all like lounge club singer on him you know you say we're we're gonna we're gonna slow it down here a little bit That's... for you kids <laughs> well what Let's i did is at night what i did is i turned to the <laughs> i turned to the band and started leading the band with them and then they finally pick it back up again you know for the big finish and i do a santa dance and everything it worked out great they didn't end up playing just and so afterwards it's like no we were going to do an encore of jingle bells and that sort i'm like oh well you didn't communicate that to my handler, sir. <laughs> they said when Jingle Bells That's hits, right. you hit the door. And I did, man. And it's just, it was this weird moment because all the kids were like, yeah, Sarah. And you're, nah, nah, nah. that was the loudest silent night ever. That's right. <laughs> But I, but I know as a kid I never got the idea. But you know Santa was always great to me. I had Star Wars Christmases, uh, especially the year that Return of the Jedi came out. Man, I've got a picture of me as a kid with just a pile of Return of the Jedi figures in front of me. Um, I had uh, back when Marvel first did the Toy Biz figures. They they were they weren't quite uh, three and three quarter scale. It was they all had like their little accessories. Hulk had a rock. Uh, I, oh, yeah, Captain yeah. America had a little shield. That sh- I got all of those. Um, Schwa is gone. Yeah, um, he, he just kind of faded out into the. He had to go run see Santa. He got really excited. It, it, must, have had, it must have had. Must must be the thin air there in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, uh, it, it, my Christmases were pretty geeky as a kid. To be honest with you, Christmas was when I was first introduced to the Transformers. I got Megatron. Um, nice and uh it was uh it was you know that's that's kind of the jet fire i don't know if you guys remember the transformer jet fire um he's much in demand nowadays but uh i got him for christmas one year so santa was really good at bringing me stuff that i didn't ask for that i that he knew i'd want that i had no idea yeah 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 i always liked that too yeah so are you back with us now i am back with you and 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 thanks for you know Sharing what you got from Santa. That was that was so cool. And I can't wait to get up to see him and sit on his lap. <laughs> well, that's... You know, does he like the, the grown men sitting on his lap, Schwa? You know, I, I haven't ever actually had an issue with it. I got a real good picture uh, last year with him where I, I looked... Okay, I looked a little more excited than he did sitting okay. on his lap, but uh, I was having a good time. Well, here's here's your <laughs> challenge this year. Act like the child that's scared to death to sit on Santa's lap. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> you know, we got to see uh, we got to see Santa and his sleigh and reindeer up at Carl Black, some kind of car dealership. I don't even know what they're selling. I think Chevrolet is up in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Oh wow! I, one time as a kid, I was somewhere down in deep South Georgia, and they had Santa Claus parachute in to a car dealership. No, come on. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty impressive. So that they well, just that got dumped out. out of the sleigh. Yeah, that could, have been, that could have been really traumatic if that hadn't worked out. Oh yeah, I know, right? You know, <laughs> hindsight being twenty, it was the eighties. We were a more free will in society back then. <laughs> God Santa- is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. Santa- <laughs> and Santa Claus. Hey, Santa Claus can fly now. I've seen the Red Bull commercials. Oh man, yeah. Santa was like, "Here I come, oh, God!" <laughs> there he goes. Rudolph, why has you forsaken me? 
<laughs> oh man. Uh, so I'm I'm sure you guys on your episode are talking about all the cool stuff you got from Santa back in the day. Oh, just a few things. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't I won't I won't ask you to spoil it here. But uh Oh man, you know, I I remember being disappointed when I was told that the Santa doesn't bring adats. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all in the same boat here, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, that's called summer job. That's, yeah. yeah, it was a yeah. long summer, but man, I was happy to get it. Man, I didn't get mine until I was a grown man. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, I was in a flea market down in Jacksonville, Florida, and this dude had a shop set up with all kinds of uh, Star Wars collectibles, vintage and otherwise. And um, this was one of those shady flea market guys. He had bought this store from someone else who had just kind of, I mean, really went scout-tastic with his prices because he didn't want to part with his collection. And, and And this guy was a new owner, and he was trying to kind of get rid of it, you know? Yeah. Trying to just make money. And, um, but he was also a bitter old man who you could just tell was, was upset with his fortunes in life that he's working at a collectibles, uh, kiosk in a, in a flea market in Jacksonville, Florida. And he starts talking about Steve Sansweet and how Steve Sansweet stole his idea for writing the first Star Wars collectibles book. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that, uh, that he, he just, knows beat- who you are. yeah, I said, I'm sure he, A, he knows who you are, B, that he just beat you to the punch. But, um. But he had an ad at on on the shelf, and of course it's you know chin gunless and all this other stuff. I've told the story on the, on on my show several times, but that's fine. And um, but he gave me a lot of good tips as far as to you know best ways to clean these things, how to get the electronics working in them again if they don't work anymore. And um, and so I'm like, oh cool, I appreciate that. And so he sold me this ad. He was going to sell me this ad at and for a decent little price, you know, vintage ad at, pretty good shape, forty bucks. And, That's cheaper than they were brand new in the box. Yeah, and he had one chin gun. And I'm like, well, let me buy the chin gun with it. He's like, no, nah, I can sell this one. I'm like, no one's going to come in your shop looking for a chin gun for the ad at. No one's going to do it. Right. I'm like, so let me do this. I said, because I can get one on eBay easier than I can get two. And he's like, okay. You know, I talked him into it or whatever. So I bought that and a couple of other things. And um, I get the thing home, and it was really dusty, so I'm, I'm giving it a clean-in, and as I turn it up to clean, I hear something rattling inside. Oh, and, it's in uh, the battery compartment. It's in the battery compartment. That's great. I open it up, I open up the battery, and sure enough, double chin guns, and I got, thanks to his advice, got the electronics working again, popped some batteries in that bad boy, and those chin guns just went, you know, like they did back in the day. And I'm like, this is... This is one of the greatest days. It was like Christmas oh, in the middle. Santa, Santa got you a chin gun. That's right. He, he didn't get you. He didn't get you the full out at. He just got you the chin That's gun. That's right. That should, that should be a song. Uh, this, <laughs> Santa got you the chin gun. I like that. Yeah. It's almost gun. well. It's all. It's kind. It's, it's kind of like the Star Wars Christmas version of Garth Brooks' Unanswered Prayers. Yes. <laughs> Undelivered presents. Sometimes I think Claus. For un- <laughs> for ungifted toys, <laughs> he treats them all equally—the girls and the boys. <laughs> Just because he didn't bring you the adat doesn't mean I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, you were doing so good! Just because he didn't bring you doesn't mean he doesn't care. Wait, no, that's not even going to rhyme. That gummit. All right. <laughs> Anyhow. I hope you're not waiting for me to pop in because I, I got nothing. Okay. Well, budget. <laughs> 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 
Oh, guys, I'm glad you've you've bumped in on the show here. What else you got? Anything else before we? Probably... I, I have nothing else. Oh, okay. Well, we, we, we have some we have some goodness coming up. We okay. have some uh, some big stuff planned before Christmas. So. Oh, okay. I, I know you you might not know this, Steve. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of Muppets oriented, so you might. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen Emmett Otter's Jug Bang Christmas? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a second. I knew that. Yeah. That's, that's your every Christmas thing. No, that's Derek's every Christmas thing. Oh. Um, but I have seen it. I actually watched it with my youth group. Well, my Sunday school class. We would do a thing every year where we'd get together, and um, uh, I taught the older kids when I was when I was a youth pastor. I taught the the 11th and 12th graders uh, in our Sunday school class. And so I always did a Christmas party just for them and myself, and I'd have it at my house, and I would grill out. And and we would sit around and watch an obscure Christmas movie. So we would watch, like, Frosty Returns or... Um, You're Without Santa Claus. Maybe, yeah. Um, and so the, the one year I made them all sit down and watch Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and we were just sitting there and like, Steve, this is creepy. A lot of these things are just creepy. We don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Nightmare band. That's right. <laughs> and then when they get together at the end and kind of do the matchup of the songs, yes. the kids are like, all right, it's a mashup, yeah. <laughs> Had everything. That's right. If you want to see something creepy, you got to watch their outtakes sometime. Oh, Ooh, wow. I haven't seen their I've never seen that. Yeah. It's the they couldn't get things right, you know. Things weren't rolling the right way, and <laughs> well, you know, all the Muppets have have this thing. And my friend Scott Rifen uh, from my Star Wars story uh, mentioned it to me. He calls it Muppet blindness when there's something right there in front of them, and they're looking right at it, and they still have a hard time grabbing it. It's <laughs> it's the Muppet blindness. So they all have a little bit of that. Uh, did you do you guys remember it was a TV special uh, called The Night They Saved Christmas? No, it aired, I remember the Christmas that almost wasn't. No, this aired. This aired on ABC um, back in the eighties. And again, every everything in my life comes back. Everything was the eighties. Yeah, yeah, it comes back to the eighties. Um, it was. Uh, I'm trying to think of who was in it. 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 Uh, let me. Let me. ID. Jacqueline Smith of uh, Charlie's, Charlie's Angels, Angels fame was was the lead in that she was a mother of some kids. Art Carney played Santa Claus. Nice son Dan from mm-hmm. the holiday special. Mm-hmm. June Lockhart played Mrs. Claus. Uh Paul Williams played played one of the elves named Ed. Paul and, Williams. He was on the Muppets <clears throat> a lot, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh so Mason Adams was in this thing who was a big star in the eighties. He was an older guy even back then. Um, he was on, he was just one of those, those faces that were always on like, uh, TV shows kind of as either, a lot of times he just played the bad guy, um, in, in different stuff. But anyhow, they did, it was about this family whose dad was in the oil business, you know, as far as he was a driller and they're drilling, I guess up in Alaska somewhere. And they're they're blasting to try to get to the oil, and uh, and and in doing so, they're causing problems in North Pole City, where Santa oh. and all the all the people live. And so Santa gets the man's wife, played by Jacqueline Smith, and her kids. He doesn't really um, kidnap them, but he he takes them anyway. He takes them. <laughs> they they uh, somehow they end up in North Pole City with Santa. 
So they can see the problem. <clears throat> then they see the problem, so they've got to come back and convince their dad to blast at a different site where Santa guarantees them there's oil. And um, and it comes down, you know, to the very last, you know, second. And there's just one kid who believes with all his heart, you know, that Santa is real and he's doing, you know, and no one listens to him. And um, and and so the mom goes to find the, the the two older kids go to warn Santa and they get lost. And the mom tries to go save them. And and uh, and and then, you know, in, in one big, great moment at the end, everything is saved. Christmas is saved. And and, um, and my dad. And there's all sorts of technology talked about in that, like that Santa has a teleportation pad on his sleigh. That's how he gets in houses without chimneys. Oh, you know, well, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They show all the elves hard at work and stuff, and Santa kind of comes off almost like the, the Rudolph Santa is kind of a grump at first because <laughs> the elves are like walking around singing jingle bells, and he comes in. You know, you're introduced, and he walks in and he says, All right, I've told you, you can sing White Christmas, you can sing Holly Jolly Christmas. You can sing whatever you want, but no more jingle bells. Yes, because it makes him burst in the door <laughs> early. He's so mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's now I realize why. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Uh, my appearance on your show needs to go out that way. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Good night. <laughs> but it's a it's a great little piece of '80s made-for-TV movie. And uh, and I've always loved it, so that's, that's fantastic. I have not seen it. I know who you're talking about, though, Mason Adams. <clears throat> yeah, he he truly was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he's just an older guy. He he kind of he's the counterpart to the old man from Mash. What what was the oldest guy's name on Mash that was also in Dragnet and was oh, just oh the the Colonel Colonel yeah, Potter. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, just perpetually an old man. Uh, yeah, I mean, even when he was on Dragnet way back in the day, he was just an old man. <laughs> well, and and he did Harry the uh, he he did the uh, you know the Smuckers jelly commercials or something for yes, a long time, right? Yes, didn't he? yes, yes. Oh, good stuff, man. I, one of these days, I'm going to be a dad, and I'm going to just <laughs> weasel my way into your onto you guys' podcast. Be like, you got a third member now. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you see him on Skype. You just dial up. That's right. <laughs> you you are always welcome. Always. You, know, you don't even have to be a dad to to to. Uh, yeah, we have other parts of the title: techno and retro. So you, oh, you yeah. you've got those things. So okay. you're good. And cool. do you have any '80s car- obscure '80s cartoons that you? Oh, 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 my my daughter wanted me to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Punky Brewster. You remember Punky Brewster cartoon? Do I remember Punky Brewster? Come on, I want to hear the theme song. Oh, I don't remember the theme song. Oh, I just remember. I told her. I said. I said. Gloss will uh, sing it as soon as I, I say it. Oh, I'm Punky sorry. Punky Brewster. Oh my! Now you're saying it, and it, and I'm kind of remembering it. Oh my gosh! I don't though. I just remember Glomer. I remember she had Glomer. Remember Glomer. Good. But here's the thing with Punky Brewster. She is my first ever legit celebrity crush. Oh yeah. As a little boy, I just had the hugest crush on Soleil Moon Fry um, as Punky Brewster and mm-hmm. and just I would have married her in a heartbeat as a child you know she just, she was everything I wanted in a girl let's see oh yes there it is <laughs> Punky Brewster yes
It sounds like freaking Cindy Lauper singing the song. Yes. Yeah, okay. And she finds Glomer. Glomer talks like this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good Glomer. Thank you, thank you. It, it, you just got to do your helium voice. <laughs> yeah, I can't, 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 can't pull a Glomer anymore. In seventh oh, grade, man. I was great at it. But I do, I definitely remember that cartoon. Because Punky Brewster, came, the, the show actually came on Sunday nights. And, Did it really? Yeah, and, and so I was oh, never... Oh, the TV show. The TV show, yeah. So I was Not never able to watch the live-action TV show because it was always like we'd, we'd get home after it had aired from church. Uh, yes. we, we'd get home from church late. And so I never really got to watch the actual show. So when that cartoon hit, I was like, yes, I get to interact with Punky Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> she was big for a while in the 80s, man. Oh, yeah. Punky Very. Brewster, yeah. Yeah. So uh I'm sorry I couldn't remember the punky tell your daughter I failed her. I will. And, and I will. I, will, and I think she showed up on Saved by the Bell later on. <clears throat> punky Brewster did? Yes. No. Didn't she? I don't know. She showed no, up I on think Friends. So. I think she was she was kind of uh stealing Zach's heart away or striving. No, no, no. She was trying to pull Screech away. She was getting expensive gifts from Screech. Oh check wow. me on that. I I will. I, I think that's true. I know that she showed up on Friends one what? time. Yeah, she was. Um, I don't remember that? She was dating Joey, and she would, and he'd make her laugh, and she'd punch him in the arm. Really? And he's like, "You got him. It hurts every time she does it. It hurts." <laughs> and uh, and she is just the cutest, just the spunkiest young no, lady. She's the I punkiest. mean, oh man, she really is. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, she was in Friends, the the one with the girl who hits Joey. Um, just, just don't tell me like that that she was actually in Showgirls with Elizabeth Berkley. Too. No, no, That's, no. Saved okay, by the Bell. Cool she played you. Robin. Yeah, she was in an episode of Saved by the Bell. Yeah, she was in an episode of The Wonder Years. Really? Yeah. Speaking of Wonder Years, there's another one, Boy Meets World. Now there's Girl Meets World on Disney. Yeah, and and, and my my co-host uh, for Rock Out Loud loves. Um, oh really? Loves loves it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy Meets World was just a cute. little bit past my time. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch. My wife watched it though. She knew all about it. I wasn't that into it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people who who really got into it. That's one of those shows, man. Though that when I have the, the episodes I have seen, it's one of those. It's one of the last of the sitcoms that was was funny, but also tried to make you cry. Yes, you know you remember like they, the, that was the tail end of the eighties. Yeah, well, with, not the tail end. I mean, Silver Spoons did that. Punky Brewster did that. The early ones and the right. One. I mean, Family Ties, all these things. Oh, but yeah. it was it was somewhere around the mid nineties. They 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 started to stop with all that stuff, you know, and just kind of go it was back. Seinfeld. To, yeah, Seinfeld brought it. them around back to the slapstick. That really Seinfeld. Well, even um, what was the one with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt? Um, mad about you. Mad about, mad about you. you. You know yeah. they did. They did it for a while, but they even got into the serious side of things. And, and um, but uh, but yeah, they Boy Meets World always Boy Meets World almost went blossom where like every week was a very special Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! So, oh man, what about that show? Anyhow, look, guys, Merry Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too. Thanks for Thank letting you us for all those gifts. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by Goal, guys. Yeah, absolutely. You guys take care and have a Merry Christmas. All right, you guys too. Thanks, fellas. See, See ya. ya. 
Techno Retro Dad, Stompin' Gold. Check them out. They're over on the Shot Glass Digital Network. You can find them there. Uh, Techno Retro Dads, Jedi Schwa and Shaz Bizarre. Wait a minute. They're calling back. Hello? Oh, they hung back up. <laughs> I don't know what just went on there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely check those guys out. Man, they have... They have taken what I feel like was going to be a really mediocre episode and pumped it up just a little bit above good. So good times, good times. So where were we? Agent Carter, two-hour premiere. I think that'll be good stuff. Um, I hope, I'd like to see him not necessarily make a full-on series out of this, but do miniseries with things like Agent Carter, with things like, uh, you know, maybe some other side characters from some of these movies. Um, I think that'd be a really neat model, depending on how Agent Carter does. I think it'd be a really, really neat model for um, for Marvel to 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 kind of per- pursue. You know, I, I think Jeff Loeb. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's still in charge over uh, at Marvel TV. He's still heading things up. So I could see him. I could see him uh, doing this on a regular basis. Um, man, there's a few more things I want to talk about. <clears throat> here uh let's do this snippet wait i have messed up oh no uh snippet there we go um guys uh terminator uh terminator genesis has released a trailer and i realized that i'm talking about those let's just listen i look at each of you and I see the marks of this long and terrible war. If we die tonight, mankind dies with us. The machine sent a Terminator back to the time before the war to kill my mother, Sarah Connor. Sir, let me save her. What you're doing right now, this is the end of the war. Time you're going back to her, she'll be scared and weak. Take care of her for me, Kyle. John sent me here to save you. From the Terminator that was sent back to kill me, I know, but we already took care of him. We? I've been waiting for you. The time John sent you to, it no longer exists. Everything's changed. We can stop Judgment Day from happening. Run! Where is he? Ah! 
back. What? Arnold Schwarzenegger just leaping at a helicopter midair, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <clears throat> wow, I don't, I don't know, man. This is taking the original Terminator and turning it on its head. And you know, ever since Terminator Three, and especially with the Sarah Connor Chronicles, this is a franchise that has really been unafraid to mess with its own timeline. So it's going to be interesting to see how Terminator Genesis plays out. Um, it looks as if they've, they've done Arnold up younger to come back as that original Terminator. And it looks like older arm Arnold is, um, going to be, uh, taking him out as soon as he shows up, which is pretty BA. And they're going to be dealing with like a T2000. Um, so it looks like it's kind of going to be judgment day, T2 all over again. I don't know. Um, the young lady, uh, I believe her name is Amelia Clark, playing Sarah Connor, looks a ton like Linda Hamilton, ladies and gentlemen. That's the thing that really struck me when she first pulls up and uh, and talks about and says, come with me if you want to live, which is a line that has to be in a Terminator franchise. It's one of those, It come with me if you want to live is the I've got a bad feeling about this um, as it pertains to, uh, to the Terminator franchise. Um, here's an impromptu snippet really quickly, uh, cause we didn't talk about this. We were talking about Force Awakens last time, so I think it's worth talking about this. I'm really proud of you for going on this trip. You're gonna have so much fun. And remember, if something chases you, past decade from genetics than a century of digging up bones. A whole new frontier has opened up. We have our first genetically modified hybrid. We just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out? Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab? Evacuate the island. She's a highly intelligent animal. She will kill anything that moves. Oh, God.
I, I, I feel like at the end, that's the uh, the Jurassic World trailer, by the way. I feel like that end shot with him riding the motorcycle and the raptor comes up by him, looks at him, I feel like he's going, Mouse Rat rules! And he just keeps going. I, look, this is not a safe place to hate on um, Jurassic Park 2 or 3. Jurassic Park is n- 2... Uh, the Lost World is not the best of movies. I understand that, but it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It, I watch it, you know, I've watched it again. I, I actually, I watched Jurassic Park the other day before this trailer was released, not realizing they were getting ready to release this trailer. I just happened to pop Jurassic Park in and watch it for the first time in, in a while. And that led me into Jurassic Park 2. And, and though I can't put my finger on why it's not quite as good as Jurassic Park, I think some of the wonder is lost even though it's there a little bit I, they get right to the the t-rexes and that sort of thing and instead of just one it's two and all this other stuff um and they bring it back and 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 so yeah you know but i like it i dig it uh dress park three i thought was fantastic i i still think that holds up I like the plot. I like what goes down. I like the, the there's the tension of of what happens in the first one. You know, when those kids are running from the raptors in the first one, when they're trying to get away from the pterodactyls in the third one, it's there. And of course, the raptors are are, are an issue again in the third one. I am. I really do like. Uh, I like Jurassic Park three, um, and and I like two. And so I, I think. But Jurassic World looks like it's going to be something really special and really good. So. That's really I'm excited about it and and honestly after watching that Terminator trailer again I'm looking at it and uh, you know I'll be there I'll be there to watch that movie I think it's I think it's going to be good stuff and I I think that um you know <clears throat> uh Terminator Salvation was what it was and honestly I've not watched it mm, in a while I hadn't watched it since uh since right after it was in theaters, I guess. I it's just it's been a long time since I watched that movie, and um and it was kind of forgettable to me overall. You know, I, the biggest thing to come out of that movie, honestly, was that Kristen Bale rant that he did on set. So this is going to be interesting to see, you know, what kind of return the form they do, it and to see Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, another action role for the first time in a long time doing something. Uh, it looks like he's going to be in a large chunk of the movie, not the young Arnold, but you know, as himself or something or, or, or an aged Terminator. I don't know. Um, it looks really interesting to me. And, and so I'm, I'm looking forward, uh, to checking that out. Here's a snippet that's really got me intrigued. Whoopa! Uh, snippet Benedict Cumberbatch has been officially cast as Dr. Strange. Um, Scott Derrickson is directing the movie. Uh, there was a lot of rumors floating around. Ewan McGregor was rumored at one point. Other uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin, uh, Joaquin. That could be a good snippet. Uh, Joaquin, uh, <laughs> Joaquin. Um, he is, but Cumberbatch is going to play, and a lot of people are really excited about this. Benedict Cumberbatch is an internet darling, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there is a there is a phenomenon of social media nowadays that if someone can start to kind of trend and and kind of get on people's radar and enough people make enough noise and everyone starts to kind of believe their hype but i'm gonna say this straight up i really enjoy sherlock and that's the only thing i know well other than star trek into darkness that's the only thing i really know benedict cumberbatch from um 
I felt like his portrayal of Khan was good, you know, uh, not being a huge Trekkie. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's just something about that over-the-top Ricardo Montalban Khan, though, that, you know, that even though it was a different era and a different actor and a different tone and feel, you almost wish he would have captured some of that, and I never felt like he did. For me... He's got the look, you know, it's going to, you know, he's got the attitude as Holmes. He can pull that off. It's going to come down to the American accent. I don't think Stephen Strange is British. And I think they're going to have to make sure that he pulls off a good American accent. That's just my personal opinion. I, you know, I'm not like, oh, yay, Benedict Cumberbatch. But I'm not like, oh, boo, Benedict, I'm so tired of Benedict Cumberbatch. I think, I think they've gone after a good actor with good chops who is going to... Uh, do well. I, I don't. I don't see how this can fail. I, it, it, this is one of those moves that make perfect sense to me, and I just think it's safe, but also at the same time really cool uh, to see him do this. And and it's going to be interesting to step into that Marvel world of of the mystic, you know, the mystical Marvel realm um, because that's something that you know they've tried with Constantine on NBC. And, you know, that that worked out okay. You know, they haven't picked up the back nine, as they say. But um, but they definitely... Um, eh, I don't know. Uh, it just it didn't really capture my attention or capture my imagination the way that I would... You know, I'd want something to. And, and I'm not tell, saying the show's bad. There was an episode called The Devil's Vinyl that I really thought was really cool. But, um, but I don't know... I don't know how much how much legs that thing has on it. Um, I I don't I don't know that I don't know that that character and and the supporting characters really captured people the way they did. I, you know, I thought that he that they were doing something really cool. The pilot episode he had he had a girl that looked like she was going to be a sidekick, and then you know that thing happens between the pilot and the actual filming of the rest of the series. That when you hit episode two they went a whole different road with a different sidekick that I just don't, I don't know that I dig, you know, um, I, I, I dug his chemistry with, with the one and not necessarily the other, but anyhow, you know, that I don't mean to be critical of it. So I'm just saying it's going to be interesting to see if they can do a mystical movie. Well, I don't know what I'm, they did Asgard for crying out loud snippet. James Bond. Uh, so, you know what? If if I'm intrigued by Terminator Genesis, and I'm I'm excited, I'm excited about Jurassic World. My Lanta Spectre, ladies and gentlemen. That's all. I mean. James Bond, the next title is Spectre. And not only that, they've announced the cast. Christoph Waltz is in there as a villain. And a lot of people are saying, you know, Blofeld, he's not being advertised as, as being uh, Ernst Savro Blofeld, but he is. Um, but, it, but it looks like he's going to be the main baddie. Uh, Oberhauser um, is the guy's name. And, I, and a lot of people are just saying he's probably going to end up being Blofeld, which is amazing. Dave Batiste is going to be in this thing. Um, of course, 
his name's Ralph. Okay, it's not. We're not in Britain. It's not Rafe. It's Ralph Fiennes. He's back as M. All the all the key players are back, and I am really, really looking forward to this. the 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 picture looks cool. There's a bullet hole, and the cracks coming out of it look like the old Spectre logo, the old Spectre symbol. And I'm telling you what, man, straight up serious business. I'm I'm on board. I have over the past couple of years, I've become a James Bond fan. I'll say it. Uh, I've started to kind of go through some of the books, and uh, well, I've, I've gone through one, um, you know. And I need I want to get back into into more of the other books. But I'm telling you what, what they've done, especially since Casino Royale, has just been really really good. And and to see their modern take on Spectre with a modern take on Blofeld, I. How can you go wrong, man? This is what's going to keep this franchise going for the next several years. So um, I just I don't see how you can go wrong with uh, with with bringing Spectre in. And and man, oh my Lanta, I'm looking forward to the next Bond, dude. I really and I know there's not just dudes listening, but I'm really 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 looking forward to it. And finally, for me, the big news to come out, and of course we'll. Uh, We'll we'll pontificate about this further on uh, on Starkville Labs, but I've got to say something here. Snippet: Mark Hamill coming back to reprise his role as the Trickster. Ladies and gentlemen, huge, huge. Listen, uh, straight up serious business. One of the things that got me most excited about that original television show, The Flash, is that Mark Ham- Ham- Hamill showed up as the trickster and and though it's not a lot of people call it like a prototype joker he does kind of some of the joker stuff but it's a different take and and it's just it is it's 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 awesome um uh the 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 article here that i have is from tv guide and it's, it's a little bit off uh robin ross wrote this and says that hamill is the second original cast member to come on this show that's not quite Right, Tina McGee. Uh, I can't think of the actress's name right now who originally played Tina McGee in uh, in in the original Flash. Uh, reprised, she didn't reprise her role as Tina McGee, but she had Amanda Pays uh, played Christina McGee on the most recent episode of the Flash. So, uh, so he'll be one of the third. He'll be the third, and I'm telling you, man, oh my Lanta, this is just a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Um uh for for him to be back on now he's he's gonna do it almost they're almost gonna play him like a Hannibal Lecter character he's he's the original trickster and he is serving a life sentence and he helps uh he's gonna it says it says basically he's gonna be helping uh Barry and Detective West foil the citywide attacks of a wannabe trickster eagerly following the original's deadly footsteps so um that is a quote from this article here at, uh from TV Guide as written by Robin Ross just a couple of days ago at the time of recording. I just think it's awesome. I think it's great. And uh, kudos to CW for getting it, man. The, you know, it, it, this kind of stunt casting, if you will, is one of the things that made Smallville special. And I know we talk about Smallville a lot, or I talk about Smallville a lot as it pertains to, you know, when I get into Flash talk, because Flash reminds me a lot of Smallville. In as much as they're making a lot of the right moves, making a lot of the right nods for the fans, but it's not so much 
it's not nods that are so big that it, it becomes distracting to the to, to people who are new to these characters and stuff. You can have John Wesley Ship on there and it not mean a thing to anybody. They might look and be like, I think he was in Dawson's Creek or something. They might say Dawson's Creek, but you know, but us fans are like, Oh, the Flash. Um You know, and then there are people who don't have a clue. They're just watching, like, oh, cool, there's his dad. You know, not have a clue. Same thing with Christina McGee uh, on the most recent episode of The Flash. Same thing now with Mark Hamill. A lot of people will be, Luke Skywalker's on here, you know? A lot of people will be like, the Joker? And never have a clue that he was in, you know, if they're not, if they're not, you know, bouncing around the internet and that sort of thing. But I'm telling you what, that's just a, it's a great move uh, by these people. And, And man, kudos to Mark Hamill for being willing to come back and play. Uh, he's a geek at heart and you know what? I will say this, Mark, I know you're listening right now. If you ever want to come on geek out loud, you have an open invitation to appear on the show. Uh, we won't talk star Wars too much. We'll just talk comic books and superheroes. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a good time. So Mark, you come on anytime you want to open invitation to Mark Hamill to come on geek out loud anytime he wants to. Now, before we wrap things up, uh, I want to revisit an email from Matthew Marks. And in his email, he said, I'm not the only one who likes bad impersonations theater. Kermit, yay! Uh, Now, I don't feel bad about sending my own request. (laughs) Rush Limbaugh doing Tony Stark's monologue from Iron Man. Now, I don't know which Iron Man... If you meant the first one, I don't know what monologue he was talking about there. So I went all the way to Iron Man 3 and pulled Tony Stark's uh, speech to the Mandarin uh, from Iron Man 3. And uh, and so I think uh, I think we'll do... We'll, we'll try that one. Let's see. Let's see how this goes <clears throat> here. Friends, here's a holiday greeting I've been meaning to send to the Mandarin. I just didn't know how to say it until now. My name is Tony Stark, and I'm not afraid of you. I know you're a coward. That's why I've decided that you just died, pal. I'm going to come and get the body and bring it back here to the golden microphone at the EIB network. There's no politics here. It's just good old-fashioned revenge. It's good old-fashioned revenge, Snurdly. Well, that's what it is. It's, it's revenge, Snurdly. There's no Pentagon. It's just you and me. And in the off chance you're a man, here's my home address. 10880 Malibu Point, 90265. I'll leave the door unlocked I'm leaving the door unlocked snurdly the door's gonna stay unlocked if I have anything to say about it that was for you Matthew Marks I hope it was up to snuff I I, I don't feel like my Rush Limbaugh is, is that great but having said all that (laughs) 
thanks guys for hanging out with us those who did so in the mixer.com uh slash goliverse live feed in the chat appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight thanks to the techno retro dads for their impromptu stop by check them out over at shot glass digital schwa got in all his plugs for his uh shield podcast and his scarlet velocity podcast don't forget our good friend andy's podcast as well the helicarrier podcast and of course uh his flash podcast what's the flash podcast called andy refresh my memory on that one um helicarrier is the shield and it's just the flash podcast andy beat us all to that at theflashpodcast.com so check those out andy big supporter of geek out loud we want to support him go check him and his friends out helicarrierpodcast.com flashpodcast.com of course head over to geekoutonline.com guys for all your Christmas shopping use the Amazon link there if you're shopping through Amazon it really helps out the shows in a big way and we appreciate your help there again thank you to all of our Patreon supporters patreon.com slash geekoutloud look for that uh, special podcast this month's podcast for myself and Eric Shonavai soon uh, we've got another Patreon supporter coming on this month in the person of bald-headed Rod, and he's bringing in Carissa. We're going to talk some Dune. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I hadn't said much about it because uh, I, I want to get in a good conversation with those guys about uh, a seminal work of science fiction. And uh, looking forward to that conversation with them down the road. Uh, next week, don't forget Letters to Santa. Geek out online at gmail.com is the email. Ha- uh, just put in the subject line, Letters for Santa. And uh, we're going to have a good time next week. Uh, you may get a double dose of the old goal next week with not only our Christmas app, but also the Dune app. We're working out all the details on that right now. You can find all of the goal podcasts, the Goaliverse podcast, over at geekoutpodcast.com. And you can find most of the Goaliverse shows at shotglassdigital.com. We're so happy and proud to be part of the Shot Glass Digital and thankful to be part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. Shot desk, shotglassdigital.com with all kinds of great stuff. Not only the Techno Retro Dads who you heard tonight, but also things like Bondcast and of course Rebel Force Radio. Check it out over there. Shotglassdigital.com Facebook.com slash geekoutloud Twitter at geekoutloud at Goliverse at Steve Glosson. Thanks for joining us guys. We'll see you next time on your safe place to geek out unless you're the one emailer that I feel like I ripped into too much tonight this is Geek Out Loud we'll see you next time guys thanks for joining us